Thank you for joining our podcast from New Life Church Greenbrier. If you're joining us for the first time, we would love to know about it. Just text Greenbrier to 88000 and fill out one of our Connect cards. Now, let's listen in to today's message. Hey, I want to ask you a question really quick. If, if you feel like that God has placed on your heart to encourage marriages, to be there to mentor and lift up marriages, I want to give you a great opportunity. You guys listening? Go to any boat launch in the state of Arkansas right now today, and I promise you there'll be husbands and wives arguing at the boat launch. Am I right? Misty's nodding her head. Yes, there will be. There will be. Why is it, and you guys can tell me this. This is, this is free, but I need to know. Why is it that everybody that doesn't have any idea how to drive a boat thinks that they have to drive a boat on the first holiday weekend of the year? Am I the only one? I mean, everybody that's got a boat that goes out on the water a lot, they don't go out on the water on this weekend. Let me tell you why they don't. About eight or ten years ago, maybe more, I can't remember. It's been a while. I've tried to wipe it out of my memory. But we decided to brave everybody on Memorial Weekend. Well, those that, knew, that know me know that I was a little picky about my boat. Anyway, we had, a kind of a, we had a plan. I would drop my wife off. She'd back the boat out. I'd park the truck. I'd get in the boat, and we would go out. Well, this particular weekend, it was so busy that you couldn't even pull back up to the dock to pick anybody up. And this nice man, or at least I thought he was nice at this point, pulls up next to me and says, hey, you want me to give you a ride out to y'all's boat, you know, so you don't have to, your wife doesn't have to pull up here? I was like, sure, man, that'd be great. Thank you. So I get in the boat. We're going out to our boat, and the closer we get and the closer we get, the faster he gets. I'm like, slow down, slow down, slow down. Right before, bam, he knocks a hole in the side of our boat, busts the fiberglass. This was before I was a pastor. <laughs> no, y'all thought I said something bad, didn't you? I didn't out loud. I said, um, <laughs> the only thing I could say was, been driving a boat long? <laughs> I, didn't let him, I didn't let him answer. I jumped out of our, his boat into ours. The moral of this story is, is be careful whose boat you get in this weekend because you don't know if they're crazy or not. I'm just, I'm just telling you. It's the way it is. Guys, thank you so much for being with us this morning. You know, last weekend, if you joined us, you know that we dove into hearing from God. And we talked about the importance of hearing what God is trying to tell us. How many of you have ever been in a place where you were desperate to hear what God was trying to say to you? Okay, like two people. Everybody else flew in this morning. I have been at places in my life when if I didn't hear from God, I didn't know how I was going to make it another day. Desperate to hear what it was that he was trying to tell me. Desperate to get direction on whether or not to take a job, whether or not to do this, whether or not to do that. But how many of you know that we don't always listen we can be real desperate to hear what God is trying to tell us, but we don't always listen. And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. You know, we looked at the life of Samuel and Jacob, and we, we showed through Scripture that it wasn't when they were checking off a list of their agenda when they heard from God. No. When they heard from God the loudest was when they were the quietest. We talked about the importance of making it a priority that we spend time in God's Word. We talked about how if you believe you've heard from God, if you run it through the filter of Scripture and it contradicts what God's Word says, that was not from God. It was the jalapenos on the taco that you ate the night before. God is not going to contradict His Word through Scripture. If you believe that God's told you it's time to leave your spouse, that is not from God. That is not in His Word. We have to run what we hear through His Word. We also talked about how 
Scripture tells us to be still and know that I am God. I shared with you guys, I was a little authentic this morning, or a little transparent this morning, where there's times in my life when I put so much on my calendar that I'm so busy, that I've got so much going on that I allow myself to get distracted. I believe we all do that at times. And I believe this morning it's important that we take a moment to recalibrate where we are and determine where we're going and what it is that God is trying to tell us. You know, yesterday we had our first men's Bible study. Um, If you didn't make it to that or maybe you didn't know anything about it, we are going to start a Bible study every other Tuesday night. So it's going to be opposite the Tuesday night of our women's Bible study. So one Tuesday night will be the women's Bible study. The following Tuesday night will be the men's Bible study. And our thought behind this is the guys can watch the kids one night, the girls can watch the kids the next weekend or the next week. But we started out by looking at the men of the Bible, and we're going to go through this series. But as I was sitting in the back of the room, I couldn't help but be proud of the men that were here. I couldn't help but think, you know what, they're taking a stand. They're saying, you know what, as for our house, we're going to serve the Lord. They're stepping up and saying, we're going to be the spiritual leaders in our house. They're not saying that they've got it all figured out because we're men. We don't have anything figured out. No, we're saying, listen, we need to get our priorities straight. We need to know what it is that God is trying to tell us. You know, I I looked across the room and I saw men from different ages, some that had kids that were grown and off in college and some that had young kids that they were raising. They're saying, you know what? I know that I want to be able to help establish that solid foundation for our kids. Speaking of foundations for our kids, we've got our VBS coming up on the 24th. Um, It's going to look a little bit different this year. On June the 24th from 6 to 8, we're going to have a VBS family night right here. And that service will look a lot like a traditional VBS looks like. It'll be a service that is geared towards the kids. And then afterwards, um, we're going to have bounce houses in the parking lot. We've had a food truck bringing some barbecue in that you guys can go over and buy lunch without having to go anywhere. Um, I opened my mouth the last service and said that I had volunteered to get in a dunking booth. um, But I knew that there were no dunking booths in Arkansas because we checked apparently. Well, apparently I shouldn't have opened my mouth because somebody came up and said, I got a Duncan booth. So we may even have a Duncan booth that I'll be in afterwards. But that's on the 24th. That's our family night. But what's going to look a little bit different from that is we want to come along beside you and help encourage and equip you to lead some smaller BBS, backyard style per se, And we're going to provide the materials. Now, what that looks like is if you've got a sphere of influence, let's just say, for example, we've got one family that they coach a softball team. they got little girls that they coach a softball team with. Well, they're doing life with them already. So we want to come along beside them, give them the materials, the resources, train them on how to lead a Bible study with these kids in their sphere of influence. Now, we're not just sending you guys out just go pick a backyard to go to. Some campuses may be doing that, but we're not. We're going to come along beside you and encourage you to disciple those in your sphere of influence, in your neighborhood. We've got one person that is, uh, they're starting a life group in their subdivision. They've got some kids. So we want to come along beside them, give them the basic materials and tools, give them a Bible study to help them disciple those in their sphere of influence. That's what Jesus calls us to do, to be disciples, but also to disciple others. Amen? 
So stay tuned for that. But I will say, if you're interested in um, volunteering, we need some help, just like we do in every ministry. But if you're interested in serving, maybe on that family night, helping set up, clean up, whatever the case may be, you can sign up at the welcome desk. There'll be a sign-up sheet out there. So stop by there. And then also, if you have a group or a family, or maybe there's three or four kids that you want to come together and you want to, to lead one of these Bible studies, it's just a one-time, it's an hour out of your day and a little bit of preparation. If you want to do that, sign up there, and we'll make sure that we get you the material to be able to do just that. We talk about hearing from God and listening from God. There is a difference. Would you agree? Let me just go to the definition. If you look at hearing, according to Webster, it's a process. It's a function, or it's a power of perceiving sound. Listening means to pay attention to or to hear something with thoughtful attention. There's a difference between hearing and listening. Let me give you a better example. My wife and I have been married a little over 19 years now, coming up on 20. And when we got married, she didn't disclose prior to us getting married that she refuses to make me a sandwich. I didn't know. Um, she just, she's an amazing cook. She's not here, so I'm going to pick on her a little bit. She's an amazing cook. Best cookies in the world. Oh, cupcakes, anything. She's an amazing cook. Anybody who knows her knows that. But she just, for whatever reason, refuses to make me a sandwich. About a year into our marriage, I'm finished mowing the yard. I come in the house. I'm hot. I'm take a shower. I'm like, babe, would you mind fixing me a sandwich? I'm going to run through the shower. So I go in. I take a shower. I come back. No sandwich. I said, did, did, did you not hear me? I asked for a sandwich. She said, oh, I heard you. I just chose not to listen to you. There's bread in the cabinet. There's meat in the refrigerator. You've got two hands. You can fix your own sandwich. The moral of the story is, Fix your husband's a sandwich. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. No, what I'm trying to say is, is there's a difference between hearing and perceiving something and listening. And I believe God is calling us to listen this morning. How many of you would agree that there's a lot of tension around this world right now? I mean, really, come on. There's tension. You can go into a gas station and feel the tension. When was the last time you went inside a restaurant? Just, just being honest. You walk in a restaurant and there's tension. You're like, do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? Do I cover my nose? Maybe I carry it under my chin. That's the, that's the new thing. I just wear it under my chin. There's tension. As I was thinking about this message for this weekend, I was praying through what to cover. I was like, God, I just, it just seems like right now in this season, there's just not a lot of hope inside of people. Is it just now? Is it, why is it right now that there's so much tension, there's so much arguing, so much despair. And God reminded me, no, this is not something new. Not at all. What about the earthquake in Haiti? January the 12th of 2010. You guys remember that? At that time, you could say there was a lot of tension. It took the lives of between 200 and 250,000 people. You think there were some people that were hopeless? I thought about on August the 29th of 2017 when Hurricane Harvey hit. It flooded Houston. I believe we've got a picture of it. This is downtown Houston, Texas. We took a team down with boats. That's Pastor Adam in that picture, I believe. We went in, and there was nursing homes that was full of water. We were taking people out of a nursing home, putting them in a boat, and taking them to dry ground. At that time, at that moment, for those people, they felt hopeless. Can you say tension? Homes that they had built, that they had poured into. I think we got a picture here. Full of water. How would you like to come home to that one day? 
Now, at that moment, at that time, at that, that moment, there was a lot of tension around this hurricane. What about the tornado that went through Joplin, Missouri? May the 22nd, 2011. It was an E5 tornado. It took the lives of 158 people, 1,150 injuries, and it cost $2.8 billion in damage. It was known as the costliest tornado in U.S. history. It was massive. My oldest son and I went down to help with cleanup and assist on some of our other campuses went as well. And the path of this storm was so devastating that there was nothing we could do. I mean, it was everything was gone. It was one of the widest tornadoes that had ever crossed the United States. The path of destruction was. So the only thing we could do was go to the edge of the storm where it had just hit some of the houses and took the roofs and maybe blew some trees down and we had chainsaws and we were cleaning up. And there was one house, I'll never forget it, that we got to and they had lost their roof and some trees had blown over, but the house itself was pretty much intact. So we, we put a tarp on their roof and tacked it down until the insurance companies could help them and uh, cut the trees up in the yard so their vehicles could get out. And before we left, I just knocked on the door and I said, ma'am, would you mind if we pray with you guys before we leave? And um, she said, no, I would love this. She said, I would love it. And she called the rest of her family in the room and there was a little boy that he couldn't have been more than two or three years old. He came in, and he looked like he had been in a fight with a cat. He had scratches all over his head, his face, his neck, his arms, his hands, scratched all to pieces. And I said, ma'am, was that little boy in the storm? And she said, yeah. As a matter of fact, he lost his mom and his dad in the storm. She said, we found him 20, over 20 feet in the air in the top of an oak tree. She said, he didn't have a scratch on him when we found him. She said, we scratched him up getting him down. She said it was as if God picked him up and placed him over here out of harm's way. You think God's got a plan for that young man? This has been 10 years ago. I would love to see where he is today. But as I was thinking through these storms, this chaos and this tension and this pressure, I was reminded that in this life, we are going to have difficult seasons. In this life, we are going to go through storms. It's going to happen. So how do we find hope, church, when it seems like it's a hopeless world? How do we find encouragement when it seems like everybody's mad at everybody and there's so much tension and there's so much going on? How do we find hope in a hopeless world? We go to God's Word. Look at John 16, 33. It says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. It doesn't say that you may, guys. It says that you will. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, I think it's important that we notice the order here. First, peace. There are so many people that when they go through a storm like that, the first thing that they think of doing is giving up. I think about all the conversations that we had in Houston with the people that had lost so much. And the majority of these people, I will tell you, were so thankful that it wasn't worse than it was. They were so positive. You know, they blessed us as much as we blessed them. But there were others that they didn't have the hope of Jesus, and you could just tell. And this storm had hit, and they were ready to throw in the towel. Well, let me tell you why. 
is because they had put their hope in something that was a material item. We're going to talk about the anchor of our heart or the anchor of our soul here in a moment. But I'm promising you this. If your hope is in anything other than Jesus Christ, you are going to be disappointed. We will walk through storms. There are going to be times that life is going to be difficult. There's going to be times when you feel like there's no way I'm going to get out of this. It's going to happen. But I promise you there is hope. I think about Nehemiah. And we could spend the entire service today walking through the events in the life of Nehemiah. Because I believe there's so much to learn in this scripture about how he responded to adversity, how he responded when, when he got some bad news, what he did, and the way that he empowered others and encouraged others to come along beside him. If, if you're looking for a good read in scripture and a life lesson, I encourage you to read Nehemiah. You see, he was a cupbearer for the king, and up to this point, his life was going okay. There wasn't a, a lot of issues until he finds out what's happened. Nehemiah 1, 4 through 9. We see that the city his ancestors were buried in light and ruins. The walls was coming down. But as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept, mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. He's saying, listen, we've made mistakes, God, but we, we need you. Even I am my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. Nehemiah saying, listen, I've made mistakes. We, we've messed up, but God, hear me. I need you right now. Nehemiah could have found out about this and just thrown in the towel and quit. When he heard about what had happened, the city where his ancestors lay in ruins, but he didn't quit, but he still hurt. And I think that's important for us to get. I'm not gonna try to minimize what you're going through today. I don't want to minimize the pain, the minimize the hurt, minimize the problem. No. The pain and the discomfort that you're feeling is normal. But I love the example that Nehemiah gives us because he didn't quit there. It says that he prayed and he fasted, he mourned, but then he done something about it. He got up. Some of you have been knocked down. Some of you have felt the pressure this season. Some of you have lost jobs in this season. But God is saying, I know you hurt, but you can't give up. Our hope, church, is in Jesus. If you look forward in anything else, anything else besides Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, you're going to be disappointed. 
you're going to get let down. I promise you. If you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 6. We see at this point in Hebrew that this author is actually writing to the Hebrew people. He's not writing to the Gentiles. He's actually writing to the Jews. And if you go through and you study, you'll see that most of the time, especially through the epistles that Paul wrote, that they are speaking to the unbelievers. Well, here, the author is saying, listen, you're going to have to establish a solid foundation because I understand that you have this newfound faith. We understand that you have found this hope in Christ, but you're going to have to establish a solid foundation. Look what Hebrews 6.19 says. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. What the author's telling them is, listen, you're going to have difficult times, but you're going to have to set a solid foundation. If you don't establish that foundation now, there's going to be a moment when you want to throw in the towel and quit. But prepare today so you don't do that tomorrow. But when you read this, it makes, makes me want to ask yourself, does your soul have an anchor? Ask yourself that today. What is your soul anchored in? Because if it's anything besides Christ, I promise you, you come up and tell me, you're going to get let down. People are going to let you down. Homes will let you down. Success will let you down. But Christ will not. I've had people say, well, I've got a good job. I feel pretty secure with my job, with my career. It too can let you down. So how do we listen to God? How do we make sure that our anchor is in him? The first thing that we have to do is we have to remain close to him. We have to. You know, when my wife and I first started dating, I had one of the old trucks. Some of you young people don't even know what I'm talking about. But I had one of those old trucks that had a flip-down console, had a bench seat. You guys know what I'm talking about? Well, I made sure anytime I was going to pick up my bride or my girlfriend at the time that the passenger seat had something in it, but that console was flipped up. She had to sit close. In fact, I think I've got a picture. We were just pups. You got that still? Yeah, look at that. Man, I was a baby. That was the oldest picture I could find. But I made sure she was close to me. Take that down. I don't look that good anymore. But I made sure she was close everywhere we went. You know, there was an older couple that pulled up to a red light one time, and the wife looked over and said, Honey, look at that young couple. They're sitting right beside each other. They're all snuggled up on each other. How come we don't sit like that anymore? Husband looked at her and said, I'm still driving the truck. You're the only one that moved. If you're in a place right now in your life that you feel disconnected from God, you feel like he's further away from you than ever, my question still remains, who moved? You did. He didn't go anywhere. Remember the, remember the painting that I showed you guys last week of the picture of Jesus knocking on the door and the door was overgrown and there was no doorknob on the outside? I still think that holds true today. If we don't open the door and allow him in, he can't get in. We have to allow him access, but we have to stay close to him. Hebrews 13.5 says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. 
God said he never leaves you. He hasn't gone anywhere, church. He's with us today. Number two, we have to focus on what is eternal and not what is temporary. If you truly listen to what God is trying to tell you, you have to focus on what is eternal and not what is temporary. You know, I shared with you this morning that there was a moment yesterday standing right there when I had gotten so frustrated this past week, and, and it wasn't bad, but I had just gotten frustrated. It seemed like everything I touched broke. And God's saying, listen, stop focusing on right now and focus on what I have for you. He says, I have a future for you. I called you here. I have prepared you. I am not going to leave you. I will not forsake you. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. And of all the people that could have thrown in the towel, <laughs> Paul is one of them. It says, but we have this treasure. He's talking about Jesus. And jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Paul's saying, I am pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. If you skip down to verse 18, you see it says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Number three. The other thing we have to do is we have to refuse to give up your joy. You know, Pastor Rick teaches us and has for years that no one can steal your joy. The only person that can let go of your joy is you. Nobody can take it from you. Only you can let it go. You know, this week, I come home Saturday, or last Saturday. I come home, and Shelly goes, something wrong with the air conditioning. It's hot in here. I'm like, oh, no, I knew what it was as soon as I looked at the thermostat. So I go to open up the attic entrance, and it explodes. The bracket breaks. The spring comes off. Ah! Try to get up in the attic, and I can't till I fix that. I get it fixed. I get up there. It's froze up. There's water in the, in the pan, and it's about to flow off, overflow, and run the sheetrock. There was a time in my life that I would have been so mad, I'd have been kicking mad. But I had a choice at that moment to focus on what I had or focus on what I'd lost. Now, I could have been upset, and this is something minor, but I could have been upset because our air conditioning was out or I was going to have to replace it or replace this. Or I could choose to focus on the fact of, hey, I caught this water before it destroyed our ceiling. Hey, man, I'm thankful that I know somebody that I can call that ended up coming that day and fixed it temporary until we can replace the unit. I had a choice to make. We were faced daily with choices. You can, you can choose to let go of your joy and focus on what you don't have, or you can choose to focus on what you do have. But it's up to us. It's kind of like allowing Christ into our lives and into our heart. We hold the doorknob. It's up to us whether or not we're going to let him in 
or whether we're going to shut him out. But I go back to the same question I asked earlier. Does your anchor, does your soul have an anchor? If so, is it Jesus? If it's not Jesus, then tell me what it is. Because I will promise you, whatever it is, if it's not him, we'll let you down. You know, I was thinking this morning about the book of John. And we see in John 6, starting at verse 25, Jesus has already fed the 5,000. But it says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I perform, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Wow. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. If we get so focused on what we don't have, or so focused on the material things of this world, we're going to get let down. We're going to be disappointed. But church, if we focus on him, It changes our perspective from what we're dealing with today to the plan he has for us tomorrow. You see, Scripture reminds us that life is just like a blink of the eye in comparison to eternity. He has plans for us. But we can get so focused on what we don't have, we can lose our joy, and we can begin to drift You know, when you think of an anchor, the first thing that comes to my mind is if that anchor is not in something solid, it's not going to hold. It's kind of like throwing an anchor on a sandy bottom. It'll slow you down. It gets you to where you think you want to be, but it doesn't keep you there. Because as the wind picks up, you begin to drift. But when it hooks to something solid, it's there. If you set your anchor in somebody, they're going to let you down. You ever held a boat in a windstorm while trying to swim? You can hold it there for a little while, but eventually you get tired. If you put your anchor into material things, eventually they're going to break down. But if you place your anchor in him, You put your 100% trust in him. He will not disappoint you. He will be there for you. I'm going to ask everyone to please bow your heads really quick. You know, this morning, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're in a place where you have somehow placed your anchor into something that is insecure. Maybe you're walking through a season where you feel like 
you're ready to throw in the towel and give up? Do you remember when there was a time that you prayed for that job or you prayed for that business and all of a sudden, now that you've got it, it seems like there's so much pressure. You see, pressure and anxiety, and it doesn't always have to be bad things. You see, we can get that from good things as well. Or maybe you're five, six, or seven years into your marriage and you have forgotten about that moment that you were praying that they would just say yes when you asked them. Maybe you've forgotten about how hard you prayed for God to give you this or to bless you with a spouse. But now we're going through a storm and you're ready to quit and just throw in the towel. Your spouse, well, they will let you down. But Jesus won't. So if you're here this morning, no one looking around, please be respectful for just a moment. We'll get you guys out of here. I know you've got things to do. But if you're here this morning and you'd say, you know what, Tim, for whatever reason, I have been in a season where I've just allowed bitterness to kind of move in and I've just drifted off course. Maybe it's just two degrees. But this morning, you just want to invite Christ back in. If that's you, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? No one looking around. Yes, sir, I got you. Yes, sir, I got you. Keep it up till I see you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All over this room. You can put your hands down. Anyone else? Father, I thank you so much for those that had the courage this morning to say, listen, I've drifted off course and there's been times when I just want to throw in the towel and give up. But God, they're standing here today saying, Father, we need you. We need you in our life. We need you in our marriage. We need you in our everyday Father, I don't know where they're at, but you do. So God, right now, I just pray that you move in, that you encourage their heart. God, I pray that they have a perspective change, that they stop looking at what it is that they're dealing with at this moment, at this second. Father, and they focus on you, the plans that you have for them. God, if there was someone here this morning that said, you know what, you're talking about this relationship and how much God wants to come in and the door that I've closed in my heart, but I've never allowed him in for the very first time. If that's you, you don't have to pray out loud. Just, just pray with me. Just say, Father, forgive me of my sins. I want to invite you into my life. And from this day forward, God, I want to focus on you. I'm going to stop looking at the problems that I have right in front of me, Father. I'm going to lay those at your feet, and I'm going to focus on the future and the plans that you have. I'm going to let the past be the past, God. I need you now. Father, we thank you for everything that you're doing and every family that is represented here today. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Could you guys give God a hand this morning?
Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision for Christ or could use prayer for any area of your life, please let us know. All you have to do is text Greenbrier to 88000 and click on Connect Card. Be sure to join us next week. 